section forty three of the inheritance by susan edmonstone ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume two chapter nine i played the torturer by small and small to lengthen out the worst that must be spoken shakespeare the sacred emotions which had been raised in gertrude's soul had while they lasted shed their soothing influences on her heart but when these ceased she felt gladness only that the day was done and that she should now be alone hurrying to her chamber she took out the often perused letter of her lover the only one she had ever received from him but that one did it not stand for a thousand there was all that the warmest tenderest passion could dictate there was every assurance of devoted unchanging everlasting attachment and again and again she repeated that to doubt was base was dishonourable but even while she repeated it a vague secret doubt nevertheless lurked in her mind unknown to herself she was roused from her contemplation by a knock at her door and ere she had time to reply to the summons miss pratt's head in a nightcap presented itself with may i come in and taking it for granted as people generally do on those occasions she immediately entered so i guessed you would not be in a hurry to go to your bed young people all like to sit up late and indeed i'm not over fond of very early hours myself so we'll just have a little chat carefully extinguishing her candle this is a nice snug little room and i dare say you'll sleep as sound here as in your fine silk bed at rossville and by the by how long is it since you left the castle and how came your uncle to part with you contrary to miss pratt's usual manner she waited for an answer and gertrude replied that they had left rossville almost three weeks since and there she stopped and your uncle made no objections to your coming here of course you could not have come indeed if he had opposed it and i suppose you're to make some stay in that case gertrude replied that there was no time fixed for their departure and miss pratt for a moment looked as if a little baffled but quickly recovering she seized gertrude's hand and trying to look tender my only reason for asking my dear is that i really don't think you agree with this town you don't look so well as when i saw you at rossville i wish all may be quite right patting the hand which was withdrawn from her with something of a look of displeasure but the ice was now broke and she plunged boldly in my only reason indeed for supposing there was anything wrong is that i received a most extraordinary letter since i saw you from lord rossville really a most impertinent letter rummaging her pockets and dragging out from each receptacle a vast collection of letters notes memoranda etc etc amongst which she picked for some time but to no purpose for the missive in question then with a look of alarm bless my heart i wish i mayn't have lost it shaking herself most vehemently it would really be an awkward thing for pun my word it's a letter not fit to be seen by anybody what he could mean by writing such a letter to me of all people in short the substance of it was this that lord rossville had heard 
with inexpressible astonishment and pain or some such roundabout phrase that miss pratt had presumed to circulate certain reports of a clandestine and consequently improper nature regarding certain juvenile members of his family which reports and so he went on you know his style but the short and the long of it was this that i was not to say black or white about any of his juvenile members and that i was to contradict everything i had said or might have said or had heard or might have inferred previous to this period but i can give you no idea of the way it was worded but what do you think he can mean gertrude well knew what he meant but shocked at her uncle's absurdity and at the publicity he was thus giving to her attachment she remained silent such a fancy to take into his head that i of all people in the world should have set any such reports a-going so far from that i'm the very person that has put a stop to them for i can't tell you all the nonsensical stories that were going about one said you was positively engaged to the colonel another had it that you were to be married the twenty-seventh of next month to the member and that cards for a grand ball to the county on the thirty-first were making out already in mrs delmore's name a third had it that the brothers were on the point of fighting a duel for you when lord rossville got word of it and threatened to disinherit them and send you to a french nunnery and in the meantime he has sent you here as the next thing to it but in short i can't tell you half the nonsense that was going and everybody came to me for the truth but they made little of me for my uniform answer was that to my certain knowledge neither the one brother nor the other would ever be the husband of miss st clair that it was quite a different person from either of them that would be her choice so i leave you to judge if that was spreading reports but i see how it is lord rossville honest man has seen over his nose at last and he's mad at my having had more penetration than himself and to be sure it was a most extraordinary piece of blindness in him not to have seen how the land lay long ago but bless my heart there's twelve o'clock i'm afraid you're sitting up too late my lamb you're looking very white go to your bed as fast as you can good-night good-night my dear and lighting her candle she was hastening off when gertrude roused into displeasure said ere you go suffer me once for all miss pratt to assure you that you are in an error in everything relating to me and that mr lindsay never never can be anything to you interposed the incorrigible pratt with an incredulous smile very well that's enough i'm quite convinced from what i saw that mr lindsay is nothing to you no no in the tone and manner used by false nurses to wayward children when assuring them of some monstrous falsehood gertrude turned from her in silent indignation as she repeated her good-nights and was softly closing the door when popping in her head again oh by the by i wish you joy of being quit of a certain disappointed lover he's fairly off his brother tells me at last a fair wind and a good voyage to him and i wish him better luck another time now go to sleep my dear gone repeated gertrude to herself in an agony as the door at length closed on her tormentor gone without one word for him i am driven from my uncle's house for him i have renounced all and he neglects and abandons me 
and she gave way to the long suppressed anguish of her heart and for a while experienced all that agony of spirit of which her ardent and enthusiastic nature was susceptible but hers was not a mind long to suffer despair to have dominion over her it is not the first stroke of grief however heavy it may fall that can at once crush the native buoyancy of youthful spirits it is the continuance of misery which renders its weight insupportable and where there is even the possibility there is generally the wish to escape from its pressure so it was with gertrude the first burst of grief over the dreadful surmise which she had at first hugged to her bosom with frantic eagerness she now cast from her with scorn and indignation that there was deceit somewhere she could not doubt but that deceit was not with colonel delmore it was impossible that he should have quitted england without writing to her but surrounded as she was by his enemies how could she suppose his letters would now be permitted to reach her lord rossville and her mother both so violently opposed to him both acting in concert and carrying on a constant correspondence with each other though the contents of the letters were kept a profound secret from her all these circumstances she revolved in her mind till from the first faint suspicions they gradually grew into proofs strong as holy writ her heart felt lightened by the discovery and in the morning she took her place at the breakfast-table with her nerves braced and her eyes kept from tears by the determination of rising superior to all the petty artifices that might be practised against her breakfast was but just over when the return of the renegade babby braidfoot was formally announced to miss pratt who immediately left the room for the purpose as she said of giving her a good hearing End of section forty three